One of the joys of our church is having opportunity to interact with missionaries that, uh, that we support. And, and um, our vision of our church is locally to globally pursuing every heart with the love of Jesus Christ. And one of the ways that we fulfill that vision globally is by the support of missionaries that are going to go in places and do things that we may not have a chance to do. And you're going to meet one of those couples today, and I'm going to invite uh, the Maddox family, Isaiah and his wife, if they would please come, Heather, if they would come. And, and uh, we're going to ask some questions this morning of a missionary family that's going to join us today. And uh, at the end of the service, we're going to be taking a love offering for them. Uh, but I want to welcome you this morning to Grace Assembly, and, and thank you for being here. Oh, we need some microphones for them. Otherwise, I'll talk the whole time. Uh, so do we have a couple of microphones that... Uh, That'll keep you both from talking at the same time, won't it? That's true. Why don't you begin by introducing yourself and what God's doing and uh, where you're going? I'll start since I have the mic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so as you can see, that's our beautiful family behind us, and we are headed to the country of Colombia. Um, we have two sons. I know. We, God is so awesome. We've met two people just this morning in that meeting time from Colombia. Um, so we have two sons, Dakota and Malachi. They are 13 months apart. Um, they are not twins. They do look like it. They kind of just kind of go back and forth as they grow. Um, and then my daughter, uh, Tara Beth, is sitting in the front row. She was not feeling well this morning, but we prayed, and she is feeling much better now. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, so we are headed to Colombia. God caught us there in 2012. We were on a short-term trip, and God really spoke to our hearts and said, you know, this is the country that I've called you to. I'll let you tell a better story of how that actually worked out. Um, but so we are headed to Colombia. And we're going to be, which is, as Heather said, we got to meet two amazing people already that are from Colombia. But it's even better is they're in the same area where we're going to be serving, wow. which is going to be in Santa Marta, Barranquilla, and Cartagena. And so we have one from Barranquilla, one near Cartagena, and we're going to be in Santa Marta uh, working with the local church there. And uh, come to find out that there hasn't been an Assembly of God missionary uh, from here, from the United States, in Santa Marta in a very, very long time. And so they asked for us to be there in Santa Marta. That was the request from the, the Colombian uh, Assemblies of God saying, hey, we need a missionary in that area. And Heather and I saying, hey, we'll go wherever God wants to send us. But in 2012, we were there, and we've been praying uh, since we have been together. Uh, we've been married for 12 years. We were together for 15 altogether, dating in college. And and saying, okay, God, you called us the missions. Where do you want us to go? And we thought it was Africa. We thought it was Haiti because we were off in an orphanage. And, and so in 2012, I was the AIM coordinator here uh, in, in the New York district. And I led a team down to uh, Columbia with Leslie Latona, who you guys also support, amazing woman of God. And we went there to serve. And the whole time I was praying, God, you know, I just want clarity. Where do you want us to be at? It's getting to that time that I just want to know where you're calling us to go. And, and so I was praying, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. And he said, you're not ready. And I was like, what do you mean I'm not ready? I've been a pastor for eight years at the time. What do you mean not ready? And I'm like, well, then what am I doing? <laughs> like, am I missing it? And he goes, no, you're not ready. Stop looking through your eyes and look through my eyes. Stop trying to have a checkoff list. Stop trying to do this. Let me show you. And so that whole week we were there, we were serving and at the time, I was way bigger. Uh, I used to be 415 pounds, and so I had the surgery in 2015 to 
be healthier because uh, in my family, it's ve- we're very unhealthy. And so while I was there, the kids loved me because they thought I was a tree. And so they were climbing <laughs> all over me, and I was picking kids up. And, you know, uh, on the trip there, we had, you know, some little kids are a little bit heftier, and some of our team couldn't lift them. So they'd send them to me, and they want to do rocket ship. And, you know, you throw the kid up in the air, and they love it. And so that was my job. Uh, I can still do that, but probably not as well. But when I was there, I was praying, and God kept showing me just, you know, let me show you through my eyes, the eyes of, that I have for the people. And I kept praying, Lord, break my heart for what breaks your And finally, on the last day, the last day that we're serving, I was praying, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. He said, are you sure? I said, well, yes. He goes, then be ready. And he goes, these are your people, love them. He goes, these are your family, love them. And as soon as I opened my eye, there was an older gentleman next to me, and I just hugged him. And come to find out, when I hugged him, he's never felt the love of a father because his dad was always working. His dad worked so much, and so he never felt that embrace. And that's why our, 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 our heart is loving the unloved and letting them know they are loved by the Heavenly Father, that someone is here to show them that they love, that Jesus died for them and showed the love for them. And so that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be working in the northern part of Colombia. We're going to be doing King's Castle, or as they call it in Colombia, uh, Castle Club. And we're going to be working there with the local church, and we're going to go out. So what King's Castle is, my wife will share a little bit more, but it's more like a VBS program every day. And what we do is we work with the local churches going into the areas where they want to be effective, where they, want, they know there's a need uh, of children or there's, a, 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 there's poverty or wherever they want, and they want to go in there. So they bring this, and we get to dance around. We get to dress up as clowns and do you know, animals, you know, balloon animals and have fun. But the more important thing is show them that Jesus loves them, and he does love them and has the love for them. And so that's what we're going to be doing is working with the local church, building up leadership to go do that, but also in church planning. So when we go in, our job is we work with a local pastor, go into this area, and when those people give their hearts to Christ, we point them right back to the pastor that we worked with said, this is your pastor. Go to him, go to them, talk with them, and grow in Christ. And so that's what we're going to be doing. Uh, God opened the door for that. And so uh, our goal is to hopefully be in language school in January and then at the end of next year, 2019, be in Columbia with our feet on the ground and just working. Yeah. Want to tell us a little bit about King's Castle from your perspective? Sure, I would love to. <laughs> um, uh, last year, last summer, I led the AIM trip for New York to King's Castle in Nicaragua. Um, and I, God just like exploded. I don't know. It was awesome. I just fell in love with the whole program. Um, It's not just the VBS, you know, you go out and you evangelize, but what they do is they train up the young people, the nationals, the young adults as leaders, and they take them into the communities to reach to the pastors, to set up these places where we can go in and do these VBS-style outreaches, and the kids just come flooding in, and we pray for them. We saw healings. We saw salvations, and it was awesome. You could just see God moving, and then also those young adults then are teaching the Bible stories. They're leading these kids in those prayers. Then they're also getting training, uh, Bible classes and leadership training. And then they actually send them out as missionaries. So um, it's kind of like a master's commission program, which is similar to something we have here in the States. But so they do ministry work, hands-on, and then they actually have to go to a different country and do a full year as a missionary themselves. So it's a phenomenal program. It not only reaches the kids, but it's also training leaderships of the nationals. So it's wonderful. And so my heart's cry was really 
came back from that trip and I said, God, I really would love to be a part of this. This is something that I just, I fell in love with the whole program. And so I told Isaiah, I'm like, you know, if God opens that door, I really, I really want to pursue that. And so we told that to our um, directors. We had to sit and uh, get approval through the World Assemblies board, executive board. And um, I, we said to them, we're like, you know, this is something we would love to do. And they said, well, at this time, uh, Columbia, their King's Castle ministry is run by the nationals, which is an awesome thing. That means the national leaders and the pastors have raised themselves up and they are just doing awesome things down there. So my heart kind of sank, but I said, you know what, God, that's awesome. I'm so glad that it's something that is working there and, and people are being reached through, the, through this. And so a few months after that, we got a email from our regional director and he said, well, we're going to send you in the northern district, as Isaiah said there, you know, they've been asking for missionaries and we talked to Ariel, who is the King's Castle Director of Colombia, and he said that is their weakest area, mm. and they would love for you to come and be a part of that and help to bring people in and to really build that program there. So I was kind of like, okay, God, you totally heard that heart cry, you know, that I was willing and really wanted to do that, but it was okay that it wasn't, but you heard that and you opened that door for us. So I was telling him the last missions trip that I took when I was still in the district office was a King's Castle missions trip to Nicaragua. And we had, were doing an evening service primarily with children in what they would call their soccer field. And I gave an altar call, and at the end, the first thing that responded was a cow that came walking right out of the, the village and came kind of walking up. And, and I wasn't sure spiritually what that meant, uh, but it was a fascinating time. Uh, I did remember there was one little girl that had responded, and her father came up to get her so he could pull her away from the altar and when he came up to get her the power of God fell upon that man and, uh, and ended up not only was his, his daughter receiving Christ but him and, and ultimately his whole family over the next few days. What, what is it like to minister to children? How are children viewed in that culture? Uh, I mean they're very receptive uh, but the parents are always working so the children uh, when I was with Leslie in October in Armenia uh, there's a thing that Leslie really does very well. It's called a foundation, which is pretty much like an after-school program. Uh, and where Leslie was working at, it was a very high single-parent uh, population. And so the kids were there until 8 o'clock at night when the parents got off of work. And, and so the church is there to love them. You know, they fed them. It might be their only meal of the day. And so they're very, uh, you know, sometimes we might perceive that they're not loved, but they are loved because their parents are doing everything they can to provide for them. But through our eyes, we'd say, oh, how can a parent do this? Because that couldn't last we're in here in the United States. Well, we're not in the United States. And so there they are loved, but in our eyes, they're not. And so children are very receptive to us. Like I said, they thought I was a tree trunk, so they loved the fact that they could climb me. Uh, and they, the big fat guy, you know, they, they, they made fun of me because where we were at in Bogota the first year, very high up in the air. And when you're heavy and you can't breathe, first of all, and then trying to play soccer with them, and they don't understand why you're like, falling over and can't breathe uh <laughs> but they loved it no the kids were amazing when we were in armenia uh just loving on these kids and they want affection they want love they want to feel that that love there and i remember we were there in uh, in october and just loved on this children that were there and they wanted it we walked into the schools doing a little king's castle presentation with leslie and they wanted us to pray for them they wanted us to love on them and so children are very important, and 43% uh, of the population in Colombia is under the age of 24. Wow. So if you can think about that, that's one statistic that has really hit me hard was 43% of the population is under the age of 24 in Colombia. And that's huge. Yeah. 
that's the generation. And so, you know, loving the unloved. This generation needs to know that they're loved by Jesus and that God has a great plan for their life. So Maybe you can explain to me a little bit about what led you to be called to be missionaries, how that affected the way your relationship began or... <laughs> the way our relationship began. <laughs> That's a totally different story. Um, <laughs> we actually met in Bible college, and um, we just started talking, hanging out. And one day I said, look, I'm called to be a missionary. So if you're called to be a missionary, then this can continue. And if you're not, then we're just going to be friends. And so um, that was how that relationship started. <laughs> it was, it was. Um, but no, my call into missions, I was 13 years old. I was on a missions trip to Mexico uh, with my home church, and we were at a service, and it was a kind of like an energizing amp up those that had gone down there to serve. Um, so it was an English service, and I remember the speaker, his name was Bob Evans, and he said, you know, God's going to speak to some of you, and he's going to talk to you, and he's going to tell you, like, what his plan is for you, like, is for regarding your future. And I remember saying, okay, God, whatever you want me to do, I will do whatever it is, and very clearly I heard him speak, and he said, this is what I've called you to. This is what you're going to do. So I knew from that moment that I was called to be a missionary. Um, it was one of those, that's what God told me I was going to do, and I said, okay, and there was no turning back from it. Uh, mine was similar as Pastor Doug said in the beginning, is uh, youth camp is very vital in your life, and uh, I was 15 years old, went to youth camp, freshman year of high school, uh, and I went there, and the speaker uh, at the time when he gave the altar call was actually a Valley Forge student who's now a pastor, Tony Cruz, who's an evangelist in Pennsylvania. And he spoke and he said, some of you, God is calling you to go beyond what you think, go beyond your borders, go beyond. And, and uh, God called me to be a missionary and I fought it. I fought it. I was like, God, I'd, I'd rather die by a bullet than a foreign disease. Send me to the city. Because uh, I'm a country boy. I grew up in a small Hickville town. We had one stoplight. Kids drove tractors to school because as soon as school was done, they had to go work. Uh, and so uh, I really loved intercultural, and now God's sending me to a city. So it, it works full. You know, it works. Uh, but I fought God on it. I really did. I did a Jonah. I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to leave the United States. I didn't want to leave what I was comfortable with. Uh, but God called me, and so my first mission trip ever was my internship to go to Haiti. <laughs> so that was my first mission trip, and I was, what, 20, 21, I think. Uh, so uh, now I'm all about missions. I love missions. I want to send people on mission trips all the time. Uh, but, yeah, I was 15 years old at youth camp, and God called me to be a missionary, and I ran from it. And so uh, God had to take me out at the knees, literally. I've had eight knee surgeries, and God said, I didn't call you to be a football player. I didn't call you to be an NFL player. I called you to be my servant. I'm asking you to do something. Are you going to listen? And ever since I did, I haven't had any issues with my knees, and so that's why I always do what God says. <laughs> so, What was it like growing up in a home where when you went to mom and dad and you began to express to them that this is how God is leading me and this is what he's speaking to me, to have them to find support there rather than have them say, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you do anything but a missionary yeah. that, you know there's got to be more money in some other occupation um, yeah my, my parents are very supportive uh, my parents knew since I was 8 years old uh, I got healed at 8 years old I told God I'll, if you heal me I'll do whatever you want me to do I was really sick I had a swollen throat couldn't move do anything and an evangelist said if you need healing come up and I did and when the evangelist walked by they said where's your parents who's the parents of this child and they raised their hand my, my parents tell me this all the time they said that evangelist said uh, you'll never have to worry about him as long as you trust in God. God will always take care of him. And, 
And it's been that way. And so when my parents knew I was called to be a pastor at eight years old, they knew that I didn't. Uh, then when I was called at 15 to be a missionary, and then when we told them that we were doing missions, my mom and dad are like, all right, awesome. What do we need to do? What, how can we help you? Uh, it's okay. You know, even though you have three of our grandchildren, we're going to come visit you. My dad was like, okay, I'm going to retire soon, and I can just come work for you. I'll be your handyman. And, and so it's very supportive. They're very, very supportive. They always push us in the right direction. They're always there loving us, supporting us feeding into our lives uh, by just saying, hey, God is telling me to you to do this. And uh, even to the point that I said before, the Hispanic district of the Assemblies of God is having their 100th year. And I called my dad, and I'm like, Dad, what do you think? Just asking for a father's advice. And my dad said, God told me this earlier. You need to go because that's your connection. You're going to be in Latin America. They're Latin American. You need to go. And I said, oh, okay. So just on Friday night, getting fed again with wisdom and, and, and uh, just being backed by them. So, um, Basically the same. So I grew up in a Christian home. My parents were actually on the trip with me when I was called to be a missionary. So that was kind of cool. <laughs> I was able to tell them right away. Um, they were very excited when I was 13. Um, maybe a little tiny bit less excited when now that I have three grandchildren <laughs> that I'm taking them <laughs> with me. Um, every once in a while, my mom kind of is like, are you sure they can't just stay here? They can't stay with me while you go. And I'm like, no, that's not happening. Um, but they've been very supportive. Um, they knew that from when I was 13 that God had called me. They were there with me when that happened. Um, they've kind of walked, watched me walk this walk um, with God trusting him. Very supportive, always supported us. Um, they've got their passports. They're ready to come visit us. So, um, yeah, it's been a blessing. God definitely blessed us with wonderful parents that have supported us through wonderful. this. I happen to know your testimony, so I'm going to ask you a question so that you can share this part. But... But what obstacle kept you from the call that God, in a miraculous way, said, I'll remove that for you so that you can go? Uh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, being in ministry, uh, God called us when we were younger. Uh, like I said before, uh, everyone told me I was always going to be a football player because of how big I was. Uh, going to be the next Reggie White, if you know who Reggie White was. He was a preacher, but also a football player. Uh, and God always told, and people kept telling me that, but I knew in my heart God called me to be a, a pastor. And and so uh, God literally took me out at the knees, uh, eight knee surgeries, and so I trust in God. But uh, going to Bible college, being a minister, we want to be a, a missionary, and we all know student loans keep you back from that because the Assemblies of God has set up great ideas on how to make sure that uh, you don't go into missions on debt. You know, yeah. you, we don't want you to be in debt when you're trying to do something great. And so they have protocol, which is great, and we've known that since college. And uh, we were always trying to hit that mark, but student loans kept us back. Uh, and so in 2015, we went through a horrible year. It was one of the most trying years of our life. Uh, the senior pastor that I was hired under at Port Jervis, uh, he told us that he was leaving, and they were moving down to Florida. Uh, pastor Joe Iannone, amazing guy, uh, fed, you know, really birthed in our life. He's the one who really pushed me towards AIM because he knew I was going to be a missionary. So he was like, hey, you can take over for me. And I was like, okay, uh, which was great. Uh, 2015, he left. My, our, my wife's uh, brother, my brother-in-law, died in a motorcycle accident that same year. Uh, our dog, who we've had since we got married, died that year. Uh, I had surgery that year. We had a new senior pastor come in, and when you have senior pastor changeover, there's always uncertainty. You don't know what you're going to do, and the whole time, God was just saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And, uh, it's kind of hard to trust, right, when you're like, oh, yeah, I do trust you, but I don't see it. Uh, December 29th uh, of 2015, I got a phone call at 8 a.m. My grandparents called me and said, hey, uh, we're paying off your student loan so you can go be a missionary. So 
sorry. Uh, it's just hard because when you share this, someone today needs to hear this. You need to put your trust in God and stop trying to do this yourself. You're not going to do it on your own. And if you think you can do it better, I'm telling you today, you can't. And so I just want to encourage you. You can't do it, so just trust God, whatever it is. If it's a child that you're praying for, if it's a job, if it's a calling, just trust them. Just, just trust them. So. Sure, I'll take it. Um, <laughs> um, so to kind of finish that story, um, on December 29th, we got a phone call from our grandparents uh, telling us that they wanted to pay off our student loans so that we could go on the mission field. Um, come to find out that uh, they were willing to pay it off the day we graduated from school, but God very clearly told them that we were not ready and that we needed mm. to be um, prepared, uh, you know, learned a few things first. Um, so we've been pastoring for 12 years. Um, Isaiah's always uh, been the associated youth pastor, and I've helped him. Um, and then once we became missionaries this year, in October, excuse me, uh, we switched roles, which is a huge blessing to us. So I'm actually hired on full-time as the family life pastor at our church, and then he itinerates full-time. Um, some of our f missionary friends that have gone home and said, you know, like, I'm, I'm, a mission, I'm called to be missionary, and uh, they've approved me, their senior pastors and church members have just kind of said, that's awesome, great, and kind of helped them out the door to push them in that, but then they have to sell their house and move home and things like that, and we are super blessed. Um, we get to stay in the parsonage, stay where we're at. Um, our kids can continue in school for right now while we're here, um, and then we're able to just really fully itinerate, and all that goes right into our account because we don't need to use any of that living expense yet. Um, but like he said, it's trusting in God. That's something that I think since the beginning has been something that God's always been teaching us and showing us is just trusting in him. Um, even in this time, we, um, so our original, we were gung-ho and ready to go. We got approved in October, and we were like, okay, we are going to be leaving in August because it goes in terms for when language school starts. So we knew that April, from October to April, was a little crazy. So we're like, okay, we'll, do, we'll shoot for August, and we were like, yes, we're going to do that. Um, and then, it, you know, August started creeping up on us, and we're like, you know, we're not really, we're not going to make this cutoff deadline. Um, and we were getting really discouraged, like, God, like, why? Why is this happening? You called us. You've opened this door. You literally flung open the doors for us to be in missions right now. Like, why is this, like, why is this happening? And it was just, trust me, trust me. And every time I think that he's really spoken that to us, something has happened that God has just totally exceeded anything that we could have imagined. So it is. It's a season of trusting him. And no matter what that is, like Isaiah said, no matter what that is, just trust him because he already sees the outcome and it's just holding on to him while that comes. So I'm, I'm not sure that I know any missionaries that haven't had an experience somewhat like yours, mm -hmm. that there was an obstacle that seemed so large that it was not going to be able to be mm -hmm. realistically overcome without the help of the Lord. And, and uh, to hear that piece of it, uh, how God just, for years and years and years before you got there, already had a plan to take care of that, uh, is, is a piece of confirmation that I'm certain that you'll be hanging on to for years. As, as you prepare over these next few months to go, what are some of the obstacles that you think are going to face you and, and challenges that we can be in prayer about as, as we... Mine's the language. Uh, I would... Yeah, please <laughs> pray for me. I did not pay attention in school. Uh, I took Spanish, but I was a varsity football player and wrestler, so that means you didn't pay attention. 
I'm saying that nicely for all those teachers that are in here uh, that are awesome. No, uh, I took it for granted. I didn't really think that I needed that language uh, as a freshman in high school. I literally took one year and said, okay, I never need this again because I know what I'm going to do and I don't ever need this language. Stupid on my part, and I'll say that, and I, but that's my only challenge is the language. Uh, I know God, again, God knows all this. Uh, when we go to Costa Rica for language school, it's literally, hi, welcome to language school, and that's the only English I will hear. And then everything else is just immersed in Spanish, which is great, uh, but that's my, that's my obstacle is just that, uh, because I know God has called us, and uh, you know, going back to when they approved us in October, they gave you your budget. And all our missionary friends that were missionaries there like, oh, how am I going to do this? And I just looked and said, okay, let's do this. And they're like, aren't you afraid of that? I said, no, because God called me to do this. That's not my money. That's his. I don't need to worry about it. I said, I need to do what he's asked me to do, and I need to move forward. And so that's my goal on it. You know, yeah, there are times that you look at the, your report, and you're like, okay, I'm never going to get past this point. Hmm. But God knows. And it's, again, going back to trusting in him. But language is mine. Please pray for me to learn <laughs> the language. Uh, we have people in our church that we've, well, she has said, uh, don't speak to me in English. I want you to speak in Spanish. And they come to me, oh, and I'm like, oh, you can't do this to me. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, I was like, oh, I can answer that. And so slowly I'm picking it up, slowly, like slowly picking it up. So... <laughs> He practices really hard when we have to get on stage and say the cities that we're going to be working in. Um, for me, my biggest request for prayer would definitely be for our family transition. Um, I said in the morning service, my biggest prayer request is Dakota, Malachi, and Terabeth. Um, it's, it, it's challenging to begin with, raising three kids, and then now it's, okay, well, in a few short months, we're going to be packing up all your stuff, and can I take my bunk bed? No, you can't take your bunk bed. Like, we'll get you a new <laughs> bed. Um, Legos, those are hard things to let go of, so those are challenging times. And then also just the next few years is kind of really just craziness, um, but it's good. God is good, and I know he's going to be faithful. So we do... Hopefully by January we'll be heading to Costa Rica for language school. We'll be there for one year. Um, so my kids will start this new school year coming up in public school. Then we'll be taking them out of public school to take them to an international school in Costa Rica. And then we'll be there for one full year, which would really be two halves of two separate school years for the kids. And then from there we move to Colombia. So they'll start a new school uh, for two years. And then we come home to the States for itineration. So they're... That's a lot of changes for little ones in that short amount of time. Um, so that would definitely be my biggest prayer is just, you know, helping them to understand and co the concept. You know, it's not mommy and daddy being called. It's a family. We're call, right. called to go and to try to help them figure out what their part is going to be in that. So, what are, what are the school systems like there? Is it something that's open for you? You have know, mentioned where children fit into the, the culture, how they're loved. Um, are there restrictions in Columbia as it relates to your ministry in public schools like there are here, or are they a little bit more open? They are definitely more open. Um, from the time that we were in Bogota, and Isaiah's also been in Armenia, um, you can just go into a public school and present the gospel. There's nothing that needs to, like, precede that or anything as far as a covering. Uh, you can just go in and present the gospel. There's that openness um, for you to be able to go in and do that. Um, and we are very blessed. Columbia is an open country, so our visas will actually be religious visas. Uh, we can go in under the title of missionary. Um, very open, very receptive to that. Um, we were talking earlier, and it 
the country itself is coming to this like uh, shift in their religious side from the Catholics into the Pentecostal and the Protestants because they are hungry for a real relationship, Wonderful. not just you know someone else telling them. They are hungry to read the scriptures for themselves and they are hungry to have that personal relationship. So. Yeah, no, and what Heather was talking about, the, the only reason we knew about this shift was we had to read the Pew Report, as they call it, and so it breaks down all of Latin American Caribbean about uh, what religion is there, like Catholicism, and then there's uh, the native uh, you know, tribes, their religion, and then there's Protestant, and they saw a massive exodus from, in Colombia alone, that's why we'll talk about Colombia, the massive exodus from Colombia, it went from 84% down to 69% of the Catholic Church, and they're leaving to, because now they know that God wants to have a relationship with them, and they can have one. And so they're finding out that God does love them, and they're moving forward. And so they're seeing this. The Catholic Church is seeing people leave, and not bad, but they're afraid, but they're leaving because they're finding out that they can read the Bible and have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so that's massive. That's amazing to be able to do that and see that. And so uh, just seeing that there is a rise, there is an enlightenment happening down there, a, a, a revival movement that they're seeing that God loves them and wants to be close to them. And so it's amazing to see that. Isaiah, when you think about going there and, and, and being Americans, how are Americans viewed uh, from the Colombian culture? Is that something with a level of esteem or with a level of caution? Um, uh, in recent years, because of the election, uh, I have friends that are in Colombia. They're like, what do you think about the president, what he says about this? And I said, listen, I'm trusting in God. I don't trust in man. I said, and so do you. And I told him that. I said, just trust in God. Don't let this get caught up in you. They do love us down there. Uh, Leslie Latoni, who's a missionary, I keep referring to her, you guys support her. We go on trips with her, so she's always teaching us, Isaiah, you know, Latins are very quiet when they're out in public. They're not loud and noisy like the rest of us Americans. Unless it's the World Cup. And then forget it. That's, that's <laughs> different. That, yeah, you can't, that, yeah, that's the World Cup. Yeah, no, that's different. And we were all cried when Colombia didn't move on past England. <coughs> we won't get into that. Uh, but yeah, down there, they're, they're very open to us. They do love us, but we're going to learn. Uh, Heather and I, our thing is we're learning their culture. I'm not there to change them. I'm not trying to say, oh, you need to be like us in America. No, uh, I, I'm not there to do that. I'm there to learn their beautiful culture, their beautiful language, and, and just love on them. And so they do love us. Uh, you know, they do love the, uh, what we bring down, you know, where we're going to be at. We're going to be in port cities. And so there are a lot of things. We've had family and friends go on cruises there, and they're like, oh, as soon as we get off the port, it was so bad. I'm like, you go to Haiti, they do the same thing. You go to any other country, they do that. And it's not anywhere. They're like, really? I'm like, yeah, if that's the first time out of the country, you got a big eye opener. But they are receptive to us, you know. And I think if you go with the right attitude, and, and we're not there to be better than them because we're not, you know, right. we're no better. We're, we're lost and God's there to save us. And so that's why we're going in with that. We're here to be like them, you know. Uh, I love it. My kids, uh, we play FIFA on our Nintendo or Switch or whatever we have. And every time they make their player, it's always Colombian. They always say, what's your nationality? And they put Colombian because that's where we're going. And so we're already starting now that, hey, we're Colombian now, you know, uh, hopefully soon. <laughs> There's an economy that, that is uh, affected by what you do, the, the money that you have to raise in cash ahead of time, the support. Give us just a, a brief thumbnail sketch of what's going on, where you are Yeah, uh, Yeah, our cash, our one-time cash uh, budget is called a launch gift. Uh, we're about 97, 98%, and that's just another blessing, too, that uh, we got. 
uh, when we started out in itineration, uh, we have to do reports every, m every month I have to do a report and I send it in. Well, my first report, I sent it in and I made a mistake by putting cash in it and it got lost from there to, the, to my person that gets it and we were short and they said, Isaiah, you're short $200. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I know what it, no, Isaiah, it's not here. And I was like, all right, this is how it's going to start, God. How's this going to happen? And God said, just trust me. And we just started the 21 Days of Hunger here in the New York uh, Ministry Network. And I said, okay, God, I just spent some time with them. And I went to look at our account. And that's when we found out that someone gave us $50,000 uh, in hmm. our account. And, and I was worried about $200. <laughs> so... You know, uh, again, God's saying, trust me, I called you, I'm going to equip you. And so we're about 97%, 98% on that, which is amazing. We're at 32% in our monthly support. And again, like I said, when we have a budget that we have to reach for a family of five, for ministry, living expenses, health care, all that stuff. And so uh, we have to raise about $7,600 in monthly support. And we're at 32%, which is great with only starting in January. And, and God is really good in blessing us. And so that's our hurdle is just our monthly support, getting monthly support partners to partner with us monthly as we do this journey. And so. We had, like several months ago, you and I met. And, yeah. and we had a chance to go out to dinner. And, and one of the things that, that we do here at our church is we have, we have lunch with a lot of different missionaries. Our missions committee, uh, Ron Hill and, and others, we, we get the chance to, to meet and, and uh if a missionary and what they're doing, what they're called to fits really well within what our vision statement is and in places of the world that we feel we need to reach, then, then we do our very best to support them. And so we've been supporting the Maddox family from uh, a little earlier on. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so uh, when we pray for them today, you need to know that they are going to be Grace Assembly's fingers to a country that most of us will never get to. Yeah. But we will have a presence there. Yeah. And so we will have a return from there and a reward from there. And so when we are receiving uh, missionary offerings and the faith promises that you're so faithful in, I just want you to know that it, it's people like this that we get to invest in. And uh, when we have a chance to get to heaven together, there will be a reward that you will know nothing about until you are there. Uh, and so uh, I'm going to ask that we put some music on in the back. If our ushers would get ready, we're going to be taking a love offering for them that will go toward their, uh, the cash that they need to be able to go. If you're going to be making out a check this morning, I'm going to ask that you go ahead and write it out to Grace Assembly so that we can, we can give that to them. And, uh, and then at the end of that, we're going to have them come down and we're going to pray for them and we're going to send them off with, with our love and our blessing. Uh, because we believe very much, and like I said, the vision of our church is locally. There's some things locally that we do to reach people. Locally to globally, pursuing every heart. So the Maddox family are pursuing the folks in Columbia for us. Uh, and I'm so thankful that God is still calling people. And I know that there's going to be children that are going to be at camp this week, some of our youth that just came back, that, that God is already designing the future of their lives to have a missionary component. And it may not look traditional. We're living in a changing world, and it may be very unconventional, but if God's fingers are in it, then we want to be a part of it uh, because we want to be doing and, and involved in what God is, is doing. Ushers, if you'd please come. And, and uh, I'm just going to ask a blessing as they come. Father, from the time these two were teenagers, you begin to speak to them about preparing their lives for something that you created them for, while they were yet being designed in their mother's womb. 
And then, Lord, through that time, you begin to speak to other people on the periphery about how you are going to enable them to open doors. And even that you did with perfect timing so that there would be things that would look like obstacles that ultimately would become testimonies. Things that look like closed doors that ultimately they will carry with them forever knowing that it was your way of saying, you see that rock? Watch how I crush it when I am at work in something. And so, Father, today we at Grace Assembly are so thankful to be able to participate in the ministries that you have called them to, and we ask that you would bless this offering. Bless it and use it as we invest in them and as you send them as our hand extended to Columbia. And for those from Columbia that are sitting here today, we thank you that we get a taste of what the rest of the world is like here in our congregation. And so, Lord, we ask that you would bless this in Jesus' name. Amen.